0: Take a solid cast, an intriguing plot, and a lot of crime scene blood, release it right in the middle of every network having crime scene based shows, and you have yourself a winner, right? You probably should, but that's not always the case. But we're here to prove to you that 2007's Cleaner is not that bad. Welcome, welcome, one and all to It's Not That Bad, the podcast that looks for A grades in B movies. Now, in our DVD collection at home, we have these movies that we may have stumbled on because we saw a trailer at the beginning of a, a, a previous DVD that we watched or, hey, it was in the bargain bin and it looks cool and it has some of our favorite actors in it. This is one of those cases. It kind of fits all those check marks because we're talking about 2007s cleaner. And here to join me is my clean wife.
1: <laughs> Thanks for that. Well, I'm well, bringing endorsement. Re- I don't stink.
0: Well, maybe she's going to record clean and I don't have to hit the bleep button for this one.
1: Oh, but this has Samuel Jackson.
0: No, so how much for that being a clean show?
1: And <laughs> Well, there goes that. Right? I was going to say that no doubt we had this DVD mainly for just that, that Sam Jackson's in it. Mm-hmm. But I mean, wow, what a great movie. I'm so stoked to talk about this.
0: Now, if you haven't heard of this film, don't be surprised because it did end up going straight to DVD. But it's one of those things where just because a movie doesn't have a theatrical release doesn't mean that it's not good. And this is. This, in our opinion, is definitely a shining example of that. But before we go down this road, before we deal with 2007's Cleaner, it's time to take this Samuel MFLJ Jackson film
2: and trailerize it. You thought it was hard to get wine stains out of a white dress. You cringe every time a toddler runs rampant with a crayon through newly painted hallways check your taxophobia at the door and get ready for a cavalcade of crime scenes in cleaner Samuel L Jackson is Tom Cutler a crime scene cleaner with a dirty past who finds himself in a messy situation it's a movie where the biggest mystery isn't who done it but what the critics found so wrong with the film. Directed by the guy who brought you the adventures of Fort Fairlane and Cutthroat Island. Oh, well, that's what's wrong with it. It's cleaner, rated R, for remarkably few swear words from Samuel L. Jackson.
1: Right? (laughs) And that's the thing, is that this movie is so story-driven that there really isn't much...
2: There, there's room. no room for it. Yeah. It,
1: it, yeah. It just, it it would be completely misplaced.
0: Like if you're going into this film looking for snakes on a plane, Samuel L. Jackson, uh, check that at the door.
1: No. However, he does still present with the same wit and charm. Oh, absolutely. And, yeah. And like, it is still Sam MF. L. Jackson. Yeah, Yeah, you kind of lost me with all the letters there for (laughs) a moment. I was like, wait a minute. We're just just (laughs) going
0: to anachronize him now. Like, seriously, next time we just talk about him, rather than just say the full name, it's just going to be S-M-F-L-J. That's it. There we go. Smifflej.com.
1: Yeah,
0: I can't do that. Smiffelj? No. Smiffelj. <laughs> <laughs> but let's get to it. This film stars Smith-ulge, uh, Ed Harris, Eva Mendez, Luis Guzman, Maggie Lawson, and Kiki Palmer. It was directed by Rennie Harlan. Well, now, we did mention Cutthroat Island and the Adventures of Ford Fairlane, but I also have to mention he did direct Die Hard 2 and Cliffhanger but he also did driven. So, you know, it's a, it's a it's a little bit of this, a little bit of that. This film had a budget according to IMDb of 25 million dollars and a worldwide gross of 5.8 million. Now, I did mention it went straight to DVD. This film never had a North American theatrical release. Most of the gross of that 5.8 million came from France and Spain. Now, on the upside, This film did get some accolades. Kiki Palmer, who played the daughter of Samuel Jackson in the film, was nominated for Best Performance in a Feature Film in the Supporting Young Actress category at the 2008 Young Artist Awards, but she lost to Jasmine Jessica Anthony for 1408. But the reason why we're talking about this film is because of the critic score. Over at Metacritic, this film has a meta score of 49. And over at Rotten Tomatoes, the film has an audience score of 40 and a tomatometer. Now, the, the, Rotten Tomatoes critics should just hang their heads in shame. Now, it's not, I know it's not Rotten Tomatoes' fault that the score is this, but the critics should hang their heads in shame. 17% for this film.
1: You know what I have an issue with is more so the audience score only sitting at 40. Like, come on. Like, I, I don't, I just don't get it. This movie is so good. Mm-hmm. It literally takes you like completely around and through the rabbit hole. Like it, it is it is so twisty and turny. And at one point you, you don't know, who to believe and who's the bad guy, right? It has you second guessing everything Mm -hmm. and then comes around and it's like, it's, it's clever. It's well written, well scripted, definitely very, very high caliber acting. I, I don't understand why.
0: I have thoughts on that. I do. But let's get to the breakdown first and we'll 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 dispel some of the reasons why this film should have a low score. Starting with Samuel Jackson who played Tom Cutler in this. How was Smiffledge for you? <laughs> That's staying now, you know that. Eh? No,
1: that that no. That, that stays can't. for this episode. <laughs> no, it's it's wrong. It's bad. <laughs> I can't get behind that. I definitely don't agree. Um Oh my god. He again. He is just so classic Sam Jackson. He is he is charming and witty and just like a solid presentation. Um now again, it's not it's not like the one-liner like wit and charm of Jules from Pulp Fiction. However, it's um he's still oh Again, the performance is solid. It's Sam Jackson. He's so great. He he's um you just you just you want to see him get through this. You want to see him succeed.
0: The good thing is it's a complex role, you know. Mm-hmm. He you know, he's a good guy with a with a dirty past, right? And he's trying his best to to make a good life for him and his daughter. Uh, and, and for his employees. But he gets tangled up in this web of something. And we'll, we're going to try not to spoil it. But you know somewhere down the road. Uh, it's going to be spoilers like a mofo. Especially in the Samuel Jackson film. Which I'll still say mofo. Because I don't want to hit the bleep button that often. Um, but the thing is. If you go into this film. And I said this. If you go into this film expecting snakes on a plane samuel jackson you're going to be disappointed if you're expecting you know the cool suave with the good dialogue from pulp fiction you might be a little disappointed now if you go in expecting his role in the negotiator that's i think where the sweet spot is for mm-hmm. this film because i see a lot of parallels as far as tonality goes between this movie and the Negotiator. And he brings that level to this film, and it works so perfectly for the role of Tom Cutler.
1: Absolutely, and that's that is an excellent that's an excellent example.
0: Mm-hmm. Why? Thank you.
1: It it fits. <laughs> it's almost like well, maybe you've done your research. Maybe, maybe, maybe.
0: <laughs> then you get Ed Harris, who played Eddie Lorenzo. Now. I, I want to hear your thoughts mm-hmm. on this one here.
1: Oh my God. I loved him. I loved him because he was just, he was so, so good. He was so good. And I, I don't want to say too much, but.
0: Because Blair there's like a mofo. Did
1: not see that coming. Ha! Ah. Yeah. I it's mean, good.
0: I, I was worried. Because when we did the rewatch, and and you watch, it and you're like, huh, he's really kind of sus in that bar scene, you know, with the, you know, you know, trying to get under, um, oh, Detective Vargas's goat. and like re- really just being a, a disturber, and then it spends the rest of the movie trying to make you forget that sus moment until. And uh, all right, spoilers like a mofo here. Uh, until you realize that, yeah, he's the bad. I'm not. I'm not going to spoil the whole thing, right? But it, it's he's kind of the impetus of everything.
1: He's such a good, good baddie, though.
0: But the thing is, so good. They spend a lot of time making you think that he's not the baddie. Even almost after tipping the hat. So it's, it's kind of like they're trying to like three card monte you with who the bad guy is in this. And to Ed Harris's credit, he does it very well, especially the fact that he is, at least the character is, the godfather of Samuel Jackson's character's daughter because they were partners.
1: Mm-hmm. So...
0: There's a whole lot of depth into this relationship between those two guys. And it just adds to the complexity of it, especially because he tried to pull away from him after he got out of the force because he was kind of on the take.
1: Well, I think, and again, please watch the movie. Mm. Watch the movie so you can enjoy this along with us. But that just makes ooh, the end, the final, the finale- all that more like you get that oh my god moment you yeah. do you get that like oh my god yeah yeah
0: now b- so watch the movie before we get to the rest of the cast though I and mean, I need to put this out there because this is one of the notes that I had as far as to why I think the critics score is so low. Because after we watched the movie and I was doing my notes, and then you know I I I was decided to watch the trailer again just to get in the the feel for the film. And I watched the trailer and I'm like, I don't need to watch the movie because everything's in the goddamn trailer.
1: <gasps> they didn't spoil it though, did they?
0: <sighs> they might as well have, like. And we talked about this during Good Morning when we did that grading on a curve episode, where you don't need to watch the film for Good Morning.
1: Oh, but do because that's a completely, it's completely different, but it's completely very
0: fun. different in so <laughs> many ways. But, but the trailer spoils the entire damn film. Like all the best parts of the film are in that trailer for Good Morning a lot of the plot points and a lot of the reveals are in the goddamn trailer. Really? People who make trailers need to stop doing this. They need to stop putting... And I see it more and more with trailers from movies that go straight to DVD because it it almost feels, especially in like the early 2000s, it almost feels like they have to oversell the film because they need to sell the DVDs to try and make that money back. (sighs) Because...
1: See, I just don't even understand how or why they would spoil this because there are so many intricate twists, you know, Mm. like where at one point you're almost kind of like, it's almost kind of done in a way of like, did that really happen or like who, who called it in? Right. Mm-hmm. Who, who is, who, somebody knows, somebody knows something. Okay.
0: Let, and let, they're not. Let, let's let's just set up the premise here. Yeah. Because we can set up the premise that it doesn't spoil the movie. So we, we mentioned that Tom Cutler is a crime scene cleaner. So he gets this contract to do a job, Uh, the key is left for him under the, the, under the doormat and he walks in and it's clearly a gunshot execution style killing on the couch. So he goes in, he cleans the crime scene, takes all like does the job like he normally would. And then goes home, realizes he forgot to leave the key at the house. He goes back to bring back the key and then he realizes um, the wife is there and she's like, well, what, what cleaning job? So he was contracted to clean up a crime scene that wasn't called in. It wasn't a done deal. wasn't already investigated. It wasn't cleared. He cleaned the crime scene before the cops got to it. That's what he's stuck in.
1: But you're still missing so much oh, more. I'm, I'm trying to be, trying to be <laughs> as vague know, as possible. Here. I know. And and that's where I say there is so much more to it. Mm-hmm. There is the history, the past relationships of the main characters, the, the as you had mentioned before, the difficult past and trying to come clean as a cleaner, see what I did there. right. and then a clean new fresh start. Um, yeah, oh my God. and and not only that, but the whole relationship with the wife and 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 and, and, and the deceased. You're, you're right?
0: You're trying to. I'm
1: trying not to say too much. yeah. so all I can say is if you have not please see this movie watch this movie and then you know let us know yeah yeah let us know after the fact because then you'll have our take on it
0: now we mentioned the wife uh and norcut as played by Eva Mendez and you know, I feel like we should, we're, we are stumbling on a lot of Eva Mendez's films in this in this podcast here because of course we did Ghost Rider and of course she was in the spirit but how was she in this film for you
1: she was absolutely stunning. Stunning. Oh my God. I, first of all, she is amazing. She's a great actress. She is just absolutely stunning. And she was so, she was so perfect for this role for, you know, the the wife, the um, concerned wife, her husband goes missing. um, And this, random stranger, this cleaner shows up at her home while she was away or sorry, after, after she was away. Um, so then she starts to ask questions, gets involved. Um, and, and at that point, as the story goes, you start to question everybody and their motives, right? So she was just so incredibly perfect. She was Perfect as the concerned, wid- um, yeah, well, the concerned widow. Um yeah. concerned well, okay, but she wasn't aware <laughs> she wasn't it wasn't confirmed the that she was a widow. widow. Yeah. Um, you know, so she went from concerned wife to widow, uh grieving widow, I guess. Eh, but there's more to it. Now she has a hidden secret.
0: I, I will say, like when we did the Ghost Rider episode um i was like the, the, the criminal misusage of a perfectly good eva mendez when we talked about the spirit it was a little bit better but still a bit of an under usage of eva mendez because there was so much going on in that film here this is how you use eva mendez mm-hmm. this is the role you give her like strong and vulnerable at the same time suspicious and conniving all at the same time and yeah it's one of those films where you're not quite sure of everyone's motivations or or allegiances like it, the, it it's a good guessing game of a film it's smartly written and the characters have depth to them and you know rennie Harlan, to his credit let his actors act perfectly for the role. Eva Mendez finally got a good role in a film that we had get to talk about.
1: Right. I really think it's you know she needs better representation. She needs to talk to her agent and
0: well, talk talk to us.
1: Get them to step up her game,
0: right? Uh, let's talk about Luis Guzman uh, as Detective Jim Vargas, and it, it's funny because I think the last time we talked about Luis Guzman was in Waiting. <laughs> so go listen to that episode. But a very different role for Luis Guzman in this one.
1: Yes, nothing, nothing like he's how, not show,
0: he's not showing the brain to anybody yeah, in this one. No, no, no.
1: However, I will say, oh my god, again the perfect example of, do you like him? Do you hate him? Why Why do you hate him? Why should we like him? Because he just literally is, all of the characters are so good at what they do and they are likable, but then you have to question, should you be liking them? Yeah. Are they the baddie? We don't know because eh, it could be.
0: And it's funny because that bar scene a very a turnaround point because uh you know Tom and Eddie go to have a drink there and then Vargas sees them and he's all happy to see Tom and he's just like oh hey Eddie right so you're like okay Vargas is on on Tom's side and then the rest of the movie they spend the whole time making you you know suspicious of Vargas. In the same way that the whole movie, you know, spends the rest of that time making you, trying to make you less suspicious of Eddie, so.
1: Well, I really felt that the turnaround was at the hospital. That's a safe way of explaining it. At the hospital.
2: (laughs)
0: Right. (laughs) At the hospital, identifying things. (laughs) <laughs> well, I mean, I mean, there's a dead guy. We we can say
1: okay, they were in the morgue.
0: They were in the morgue. But
1: they were in the morgue. Not only were they in the morgue, they went into the hospital like through the back door because they had police access. Like,
0: yeah, come on. It's it's the line where he where he looks at Tom and says, "I'm seeing a lot of you lately, and that's not a good thing."
1: Mm-hmm. And it's like,
0: yeah, bring the tension, bring the tension. Yep. And again, Luis Guzmán gives a very measured performance in this. You know, he's not over the top. He's not, he's not your your Bullock from the Batman films, right? Being mm-hmm. the 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 you know, not, not a grotesque cop, but just basically be like the over the top, gruff. Um, Probably boost willing. Guzman plays a very, very good, even keel role that fits well in the tenor of everything else.
3: Hello, Pantheon podcast listeners. Christian Swain here to tell you more about my experience with Raycon earbuds. Our family now has three pairs of Raycon earbuds around the house. And my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price. And yes, she loves them.
1: Go to PantheonPodcast.com slash Metallica, enter your email, and hit that button to be entered to win.
2: And just like that, you're eligible for our monthly exclusive Metallica merch package.
1: And guess what, Rockers? You can enter every month. So just do it. And while we love our global brothers and sisters, the lawyers won't let us ship outside the U.S.
0: Next, we move on to Kiki Palmer, who played Rose Cutler, uh, the daughter to Tom. How was she for you?
1: Oh, my gosh. I mean, I am so happy to hear that she won an award. No, she was nominated. No, she was nominated. She, was she nominated. didn't win.
0: But but it's just an honor to be nominated regardless.
1: Okay. But, I mean, she should have won in my mind. I, I, I'm not familiar with who she was up against. Um,
0: I can't remember if I watched 1408 or
1: not. However, her performance was, I mean, how old would, do you guess that she was she, she was old enough to be left alone yeah in so, the home so she's probably
0: going to be about like in, 16 in her teens 16 17 maybe
1: yeah i mean she was she was so good she was literally the holding down the the house you know taking care of everything um taking care of her father really right um and yeah he He's an ex-cop. He has a a career that brings him out of the house. Maybe it's strange times. Maybe he works a lot of nights, days, I don't know. Um, So incredible strength, incredible, you know, you could tell that she is really trying. And she's also um, very inquisitive to um, the story of her mother and and wanting to know, you know, maybe more about that as well, because clearly she's no longer there. So
0: I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because that was a smart way to put a lot of exposition and character development, not just of her, but of Tom as well. Mm-hmm. So, I, again, gonna, gonna reveal a little bit here. So, spoilers like a mofo. So, Tom is a widow. Um, his wife was killed and she's trying to remember her mother by doing this quote unquote st- uh, school project uh, talking about a historical figure. So she's asking um, Tom about all these questions about her and it, allows the opportunity for her character to grow because we see the pain of of missing her mom and what that's done to her we see the pain that it inflicts on tom as well and then we also get to see the dynamic between the two it's it's a smart expositional method that's written in there like just i i I, again i cannot stress how smartly this film is written
1: very much and she was very protective of her father. And I think at the end of the day, you know, that was always what she was about. Taking care of the house, taking care of her father, um, trying to take care of him, even though maybe he wasn't taking the best care of her, himself. He, she would make dinner, um, you know, always asking questions. Like if he would come home late, one day he came out home beaten up. Right. So, um, again, she was just kind of the, I think she was really the strength in the house. Um, and definitely, definitely in the end, um, she really rose to the occasion. That's all I'm going to say. Dun, dun, dun.
0: I love like the fact that you said that she rose to the occasion and her character name is Rose.
1: Aha, uh-huh. uh,
0: see, see, I thought I had the the, the, the monopoly <laughs> on dad jokes here, but
1: I literally didn't even. Mm-hmm. It, I I did it quite uh, quite earnestly. I didn't mm-hmm. mean to do that.
0: One more character to talk about because this this is a very compact film and not a huge cast. But one more character I want to break up is Jose Pablo Cantillo as uh, playing Miguel, the the uh, the helper for Tom at the shop. Like so, the whole film. Opens up and he's, I guess, just come back from a crime scene that he had to clean up. And, and it really affected him. And you have to think that that line of work is going to affect people. So Tom convinces him to stay and, you know, work in the garage and load the vans. You know, Miguel is an ex-con that he's, you know, that Tom is trying to help, help out.
1: And they're very close as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, um, you know, he would have Tom and... um Evan Mendes's character, and and you know he he had them over for dinner and to
0: to help her out and kind to, of give get, give basically a safe house for her to to stay at
1: right and to connect with her family or with his family mm-hmm. right so there was definitely um, you know you could tell that Tom cared for his employees
0: yeah but here's the thing if Rose the daughter is there not just to, for her own story but to help show the kind of like the darker side or the, the 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 deeper side of tom. Miguel's there to show the better side of Tom. Um because we see Tom trying to help him and trying to be the good guy and trying to help redeem someone on the way to a better life. Like you you see both sides of Tom through these two different characters and sometimes characters are there to elevate the main character. This is a perfect example of that, but it's done in a very, very good way. Miguel is loyal and he's, you know, but his own backstory, again, also makes him kind of sus in the whole grand scheme of things.
1: Mm. You know, um, Tom's uh, secretary as well was also very, very good.
0: Right, as, as played by Maggie Lawson, yes.
1: Yeah, she, like you could tell that um, she definitely was a very strong uh, supporting character mm-hmm. um, she she was uh, she was instrumental to the cleaning business
0: yeah and you see these loyal employees for Tom as a way to help build up Tom's good side of his character
1: mm-hmm. you almost want to know more of her backstory but yeah, it wasn't necessary, but still, it would have been interesting. Like I said,
0: it's it's a very compact story, um, and yes, there is a, a a tiny cameo in there from Robert Forster as the as the mortician. Uh, of course, he and Samuel Jackson were together in Jackie Brown, so yeah,
1: <laughs> love that.
0: Now, I, I I need to bring this up because we've gone through the basically the the main cast. And they're all great. And we've talked about how the story is well-written. Let's talk about Rennie Harlan for a second here. Because he, he does. He gets a bit of flack for some of the movies that he's done. And again, you know, Cutthroat Island and Driven. Of course, Driven was um, another episode that we did on this podcast here. And the Adventures of Ford, uh, Adventures of Ford Fairlane. Good soundtrack. Bad film. Um... Come on, it's got Queensryche on the soundtrack. Of course, I'm going to like that one. But here's the thing. This film is well shot. It's well directed. It's well paced, right? It's not over the top. It's smart. It's a good even pace to this film.
1: It is. And a few points, I kind of felt like maybe it was lagging or maybe, you know, scenes were more drawn out than they needed to be. However, I think the pacing—the fact that it doesn't rush—I think there is almost a smartness in slowing down the pace because you don't, you don't, um, you know, it it really allows for the buildup of the characters and it allows you to go full circle and realize that by the end of it, you're like. Okay, who like? Okay, so who's the baddie now? <laughs> you know, like it. Uh, it's it's a very smart film. It's a very well written film, and it really kind of will tug on your emotions. Mm-hmm. You know, so it, it's great. I think.
0: Okay, another point that maybe the critics are looking at here. Okay, we need to recognize when this movie came out. And that's two thousand seven. Okay, so I, I just took a look at the shows that were on TV at the time. We pretty much had a CSI show for every corner of the States. You know, we were, I think it was this was like post first season of Dexter, you know, when Dexter was good. Um, You're in your second season of Bones. Like every show on TV at this point feels like a crime scene investigation show. And there's a lot of that cinematography to the crime scenes even though this film is different from those kind of shows because this is more of a a noir-type story as opposed to a crime scene investigation-type story. But do you think that the visuals that, that definitely came across in the trailer and the oversaturation of crime scenes on TV kind of push this aside a bit?
1: It's interesting that you say that. And I actually... I I mean that wasn't on my radar, but now that I think back to that time and I remember being such a big fan of the CSI, of the Bones series. Mm-hmm. Um
0: and, and certain seasons of Dexter.
1: Yeah. I mean, when Dexter was good, the first season, right? Was was excellent. Right. Um Yeah, and there was kind of that element, um, now that I think back the scene where he was, he was more narrating, um, and kind of almost like pitching his business services, Mm -hmm. (laughs) um, but, but just the process that he goes through, um, to clean a crime scene and, and, you know, it, it almost kind of, um, I don't know. It puts the human spin on such a traumatic job. Really? Mm. I mean, it makes total sense that he was an ex cop.
0: Yeah.
1: I mean, because I, I, I don't, I, I couldn't imagine anyone who wasn't in that line of work and kind of used to seeing, those graphic images. I can't imagine anyone else wanting to go into this profession.
0: But it, it's the thing like, you, you think about all the movies now, and everything is a multiverse. Everything is alternate realities and ult- alternate versions of yourself. And like, even if it's not Marvel or DC, there's a multiverse to everything. And it's a little oversaturated at this point you know the 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 multiversal concept in films 2007 like everyone's about crime scenes and you can't oversaturate the market in a theme and i think there's a possibility that that this did maybe get lost in the minutia of it especially because it was released straight to dvd
1: why is that? Why did it not have a theatrical release? You know, I'm
0: glad you mentioned that. <laughs> Good question. Because I I was curious why. Okay. So, and and I did a little bit of research here, and hear me out on some of the numbers here because there's zero reason why this shouldn't have gone to theaters, but hear me out on this one. So, when it actually did get released in Finland, uh it was on the January 18th, 2008 weekend. Okay, it was already on DVD by that point, but it, it did a an overseas theatrical release. Okay, so I, I looked at it and I thought, well, maybe if they released it on that weekend, maybe. So I, I took a look. So on the January 11th to 13th weekend in 2008 for the North American markets, okay, only three films debuted. Uh, first Sunday finished at second with 17 million. The Pirates Who Don't Do Anything finished in ninth with 4.2 million. And in the name of the King, a Dungeon Siege Tale finished 14th with 3.26 million. Like the bucket list was number one in its third week with 19 million that week. It would have been it would have been a January release when films don't necessarily do well when they're released because people are still reeling from all the money they spent at Christmas or saving for the money they're about to spend at Valentine's Day. It's, it's a week release, you know, section of the calendar for movies, but this movie could have made some bank given the amount or the type of films that were in the theaters at that time. So I don't understand why you didn't roll the dice on it, but I also understand that there's money that has to go into a campaign to promote the film.
1: I almost wonder if the rating, being an R-rated crime scene, definitely there's a lot of blood
0: mm-hmm.
1: and it's it's almost kind of different in a sense. It's not like it's gory bloody like horror movie level. It's almost almost like the fear of realism if that makes any sense at all like that it's almost too real that this is an actual, reality of the aftermath of of crime scenes that someone eventually has to clean up the mess
0: I I wonder too because I mean the film had a 25 million dollar budget according to IMDB so I do wonder in that sense if how much money was spent on the making of the film and if there was any of the allotted studio budget Left over enough to do a theatrical release campaign to promote the film because you've got to get ad time you've got to do a media buy you've got to put trailers out there it's not like these days where you can just put a trailer on youtube and it kind of promotes itself you know you were doing media buys in 2007 you know you were trying to push the movie in front of eyes back then and that takes money and time
1: but it has an incredible cast so, it's almost like the names on the movie poster would sell themselves.
0: Yeah, but, but again, think about the movies around that time, right? Samuel L. Jackson is Samuel L. Jackson. He's going to sell whatever, right? Ed Harris and Luis Guzman are not big names, but they're recognizable enough. Eva Mendes, this is around Ghost Rider and Spirit Time. So, it's not exactly the the best movie time for her unfortunately despite this being a very good role it's it's a shame and i'm sure there are reasons that we are definitely not privy to but i think it would have stood a chance to at least make a dent not in not in like big blockbuster release calendar section of time maybe november you know maybe april Maybe, maybe, maybe January. Take advantage of the people who didn't spend the money at Christmas and get some of that January money. But Carrie, it's come time. (laughs) Who is your MVP of Cleaner?
1: Oh, this is such a challenge because I would say that all of the actors really... Absolutely. You can't
0: MVP the cast.
1: Ah, uh, I, I am curious what you're going to say, and it would be totally obvious if I went with Samuel MFL Jackson. <laughs> um, but uh, it kills me. I'm dying here, but I'm not. I'm not going to go with Sam Jackson. Ah. <sighs> Which is tough. It's really tough. You're, you're um, stalling. I am stalling. I am stalling. I'm, because it's literally a, uh, it, it's now a tie. <laughs> it's in between um, and, and you two th- characters.
0: You thought finishing there can only be one was ah, tough.
1: This is, okay. I, I I have to give props to Eva Mendes. Because you know what? She had such a bad run in her um in her career of of movies until getting this role. And so, you know what? She absolutely killed it. She slayed it. This is, well, and, you know, she didn't kill her husband, but. No. No. But there's, you know, killing involved. Um, She didn't do it though. Not saying that (laughs) she's guilty.
0: But. But. But she's my MVP. See, was that hard?
1: She's guilty. Yes, it, it was incredibly, I'm, I am pained to say.
0: Here, let, 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 let me show you how easy it is. My MVP is Eva Mendez, because she was so awesome in this film, <laughs> which is literally what's in my notes because uh-huh. Eva Mendes is my MVP for this film. Like, yes, it was it was hard not to pick Samuel Jackson because he does, I mean, the movie lives and breathes on him, but there was something about Eva Mendes in this. And maybe it's, you know, it's balancing this performance with ghost rider and with the spirit that she really does shine in this film like and i wish there were more roles out there like this for her that with characters that are so three dimensional
1: it was difficult though to not name ed harris it was Eh, no it was
0: it was literally a coin toss between Samuel Jackson and Eva Mendes for me really yeah. interesting okay yeah but Eva Mendez gets the double MVP on this episode
1: you mean we agree oh,
0: we're going to mark this calendar down won't we Wow all right mark it down on this episode of it's not that bad we agree on the MVP <laughs> So I could say you were right because it also makes me right. And that's okay.
1: Right. Right. I like it.
0: Okay. So you were right. Okay. Now say it back.
1: No. (laughs) (laughs) Because I was right. I win. All (laughs)
0: right. Now, listeners, you guys know the drill. If there's a movie out there that you think is unfairly maligned or is just so bad that there's no way in heck that we can find anything good to say about it. Hit us up on Twitter at NotThatBadCast or go to our website at NotThatBadCast.com. And while you're there, check out our coming soon page and take a look at some of the movies that we are building up towards and let us know what you thought of them. Until next time, Carrie, you are lovely. Listeners, yeah, you guys are okay too. This is It's Not That Bad. I'm Jason. Until next time, take care.